What were three of the biggest disappointments from the first half of the Denver Broncos season, despite their record, despite their start? We'll break it all down and see how they can change that in the second half of the season. You'll get all that in a brand new installment. Good morning, Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Welcome into another installment of GMB here at the Mile High Sports Studio. Today's episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there, Superbook Sports. We want to make sure that you have everything that you need when it comes to Colorado sports team coverage. Right now, the Denver Nuggets season is in full swing, and Ryan Blackburn, our Denver Nuggets beat reporter, has you covered with the Pickaxe and Roll podcast. So it would mean the world to us, not only if you're watching GMB here every single Monday through Friday at 9 o'clock a.m. Mountain Time on the YouTube page, but if you check out the Pickaxe and Roll podcast, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page. We're getting closer to 4K subscribers. It would mean the world if you help us get there. On top of that, stay tuned. We have some really exciting things coming up here at Mile High Sports. I'm Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter. And look, yesterday's show... One of the things we did is we dove deep into three of the biggest surprises of the first half of the season for the Broncos. So if you missed that episode, make sure you go check it out here on our YouTube page. And also you can catch it. If you're not able to watch us on YouTube, you can take us with you as we go in audio format as well on Good Morning Broncos. But with all of that said here, I think we got to take a look at where Denver's at so far through the first half of the season. I think the biggest thing that stood out to myself and, you know, obviously there's a lot of people here in this office that are Broncos fans that have followed the Broncos the expectations for this team coming into the season were very high. They didn't match those. And to be honest with you, it was quite the opposite. They went the other direction away from the expectations in which they saw, especially with Sean Payton coming in in his first season as the team's head coach. He talked about a standard that he was going to set. And when you look at the first five weeks of the season, he became kind of a laughingstock in the sense of the national media narrative. You look at how Denver was playing. There were so many things that went bad. So let's dive into that here. Our first thing we're going to have to see touch on here is in terms of the biggest disappointments. I think the Broncos defensive start so far this season through the first half. Now I, I want to put a little bit of a disclaimer here. We're not counting necessarily the last three weeks of the first half of the regular season where Denver's defense has made some drastic improvements. We'll touch on what those are, but I think through the first five weeks, Denver's defense was historically bad. I mean, to a point where they're the worst DVOA in NFL history through the span of five games. And we talk about bottom rank there in terms of yards per game allowed, yards per play allowed, rushing yards per game, points per game. And point, I mean, just in general sense, it looked like the Broncos didn't know how to play defense. And it was very uncharacteristic because a lot of the personnel that they had from last season, they carried over. Look, obviously they lost to Sean Williams to Carolina. They lost Zach Allen. I mean, they got Zach Allen. They didn't. They added him. They lost Draymond Jones, replaced him with Zach Allen. And Zach Allen didn't get off to a great start necessarily to his Broncos career early on. Saw a lot of double teams, and nobody else was stepping up necessarily opposite of him. DJ Jones dealt with a little bit of an injury early on. And so Denver's defense struggled against the run. I think the one thing we can look at, that Miami Dolphins game might be a little bit of a, a factor that skewed the overall results from a statistical output. When you give up 70 points in a game, you give up over 700 plus yards in a single game. And even in that speak, you know, you go to week three, the Miami game. Okay. You, you give up that point totalage and the yard output Chicago, you give up over 400 yards in that game, Denver. I mean, in those two games combined allowed over a thousand yards in just a span of two weeks. Like that is really bad, bad tackling, missed tackling. So from that point forward, we started to see some changes. Look, Justin Simmons obviously missed some time with a groin injury. But Denver made some adjustments that I think have really helped them, right? So while we're obviously talking about the disappointment that was the defense and their production early on, a lot of it has to be considered in, okay, hey, what did the personnel look like? Well, they had a Sang Bassey starting at the nickel for Denver. 
they released him subsequently after his effort, you know, against the, the Miami Dolphins. They started Jaquan McMillan the following week against Chicago, and all of a sudden they, they started getting better production out of the nickel position that initially coming into the season, it was expected it was going to be K1 Williams coming in there and having an impact, obviously, for him. He's a big-time impact player, but, you know, the injuries have impacted his ability to be on the field, and he won't step up, foot on the field for the Broncos this season. So Jaquan McMillan has emerged there. We'll touch on him a little bit later on here on the show. But I also think another thing we have to touch on is that, okay, the pass rush department, Jonathan Cooper has been probably the more consistent guy from training camp all the way through now, but he was the starter opposite of Randy Gregory. And Randy Gregory was just not getting it done production-wise. So the Broncos traded Gregory away. Then they released Frank Clark. They've made personnel changes to that department to where it's now Nick Benito. Jonathan Cooper is your two starters at edge rusher. Those guys are producing at a pretty consistent level. Then you add Ronnie Perkins into the mix, and now you get Baron Browning back into it. The Broncos defense, despite how bad they started, they're making drastic improvements with the personnel and the, just the, I'd say the philosophy changes that they've made there. And now you got Justin Simmons back. PJ Locke has emerged into a key player. And obviously while Kareem Jackson is suspended and then the Broncos made the decision to bench Damari Mathis and move to Fabian Moreau at the cornerback spot. And so far through a couple of games, he's looked impressive. He's come up against the run. He's had some passes deflect, uh, deflected or defense there. And he hasn't really allowed any big play to happen against him. And I would say for the Broncos defensively, in the last three weeks, they've avoided those big-time, big explosive plays that we just saw consistently drive in and drive out through the first five weeks of the season. So for me, those were the three biggest disappointments to kind of start things off, first off with the defense. Now, I think we really have to transition here to the second point. And you look at where the Broncos were at coming into the season. They were making, obviously, you know, some big changes to the offensive line with Sean Payton coming in, bringing in offensive line coach Zach Streif. And the one thing I'd say that was disappointing through the first eight weeks of the season for Denver, I'd have to say Mike McGlinchey. They invested a five-year contract in him, big-time money too, to help try to solve a decades-long issue that the team has had at right tackle. And overall, McGlinchey, he's had moments, right? He's had spurts where he's looked good, but the biggest issue with Mike McGlinchey has been consistency. And it's not just him. Consistency with him, consistency with Garrett Bowles, Arguably, the Broncos' interior offensive line between, uh, obviously, Quinn Miners, Ben Powers, Lloyd Cushberry, those three guys have been the most impressive part of the offensive line. Mike McGlinchey, though, has struggled. He struggled with penalties. He struggled with quarterback hits allowed. He struggled with sacks allowed. And through eight games, he's got seven penalties right now, which is, I think, six right now in the NFL for offensive linemen penalties and five sacks allowed through eight games. To me, that is where I think there's going to have to be a conversation, and I'm very curious what Sean Payton saw on the offensive line from a self-scouting perspective during the bye week, because guess what? You open up on Monday night football coming out of the bye week against the Buffalo Bills, guys that have Gregory Rousseau, guys that, hey, look, you're going to see Von Miller, who everyone knows well aware about. They have a good defensive line there. You know, Obviously, the loss of Matt Milano at linebacker is big for Buffalo, but they have a talented secondary. They have a defense that's ultra-aggressive and can make plays despite how inconsistent we've seen Buffalo be this season. Mike McGlinchey is going to be a guy that a lot of teams are going to try to line their best pass rusher on right now. And Denver has shifted a little bit to where they're adding an extra tight end to help out there. But I will give Mike McGlinchey some credit here. I think through the last couple of games against the Green Bay Packers and against the Kansas City Chiefs before the bye week, and obviously Denver's 24-9 win, one thing we did see is a little bit more consistency from the offensive line. Russell Wilson had a little bit more time to throw. Obviously, he uses his legs to create opportunities and to escape the pocket from time to time. But we didn't really see any instances, especially when Chris Jones lined up against McGlinchey in that second Chiefs matchup. 
we didn't see anything that gave us any caution. Like, okay, hey, this is where he's going to get beat one-on-one. Denver, pass protection-wise in that game, did a really good job against a very good Kansas City Chiefs defense. Can they do that here against the Buffalo Bills? I think that's one thing we're going to have to keep our eye on here going forward. But I'm also curious, as you're watching along here, Good Morning Broncos on Mile High Sports' YouTube page, make sure you comment along as well. Leave your thoughts on some of your biggest disappointments early on through the first half of the season because now there is a long second half schedule and stretch that's coming up. Denver's going to see a stretch in toward the end of November into December, three straight road games. Look, you're going to play the Chargers twice, the Raiders once, who are now rejuvenated after firing Josh McDaniels. You play the Detroit Lions. On top of that, Buffalo Bills. You got the Minnesota Vikings, who are all of a sudden coming off of a big win with Josh Dobbs stepping up and leading them to a win against the Atlanta Falcons. And then you have the Cleveland Browns, who have one of the NFL's best defenses so far this season. They're very aggressive at getting after the quarterback generating takeaways. Denver has a tough second half stretch, but they've built some momentum where they can go on a run. And if Mike McGlinchey can be more consistent, Denver's got a really good chance to maybe go on a run here in the second half. And I think that's kind of where we look at these weaknesses that we're talking about. You can maybe say, okay, what do they need to do better in the second half to be able to have a chance? I think that's the case. And look, I hate to be that guy going, okay, well, if Denver did this in the early parts of the season, look, Denver should have beat the Raiders week one. They should have beat the Commanders in week two. The conversation and vibe going into the bye week would be a little bit different. And maybe that Miami game doesn't happen the way that it does. Maybe it does. I mean, it's, it's, the NFL has been such a wacky season so far this year. Denver shot themselves in the foot too often in that first half. Undisciplined football. They've gotten back to that brand. And also the offense has found a way to establish the run. And I will give Mike McGlinchey his flowers here. I think he's been a good asset in run blocking here for the Broncos. So one thing we are going to talk into, we got one more thing on our three disappointments that we've seen so far from the Broncos through the first half of the season. And this one isn't necessarily a player, but more so how a player has been treated by the Broncos. You're going to get all that on today's installment of Good Morning Broncos. Real quick, let me tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. It's our friends over there at Superbook Sports. Refer a friend and earn a $50 bonus this season with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss the Refer a Friend bonus. All you need to do is click on the Refer a Friend link under your profile inside the Superbook app, share the promo code with friends, and you will get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, Nuggets fans. Ryan Blackburn here, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast on Mile High Sports. We've got the best Denver Nuggets coverage around, so make sure not to miss an episode and subscribe down below to the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. Nuggets off to a great start. Make sure not to miss a thing on Mile High Sports. All right, as we close off today's Good Morning Broncos, we're getting to our third and final disappointment from the first half of the season. Real quick, just want to remind you of all the coverage we have going on here at Mile High Sports. If you want daily written content and coverage going on, encapsulating every single team, even the CU Buffs, the CSU Rams, milehighsports.com is the place to be for all your accurate and up-to-date information on what's going on. Mile High Sports is every team, every day. Plus, you get Good Morning Broncos every single weekday, Monday through Friday, 9 o'clock a.m. here on the Mile High Sports YouTube page. You get the Pickaxe and Roll podcast. You also get appearances from Swipa with Ryan Blackburn. They have you covered with all things Denver Nuggets related here. But let's continue on our show here this morning. Make sure you pour yourself another cup of coffee as you get ready for your day. We appreciate you taking time to rock with us here on GMB. Now, we, we talked about, obviously, the Broncos' defensive start. We've talked about Mike McGlinchey's disappointing start. 
through the first half of the season. I'm sure there's other areas of disappointment that you have. And like I said, if you're watching, comment it down below. Let us know what you were disappointed with with the Broncos in the early parts of the season here. But I think one thing that maybe most Broncos fans will be in agreement with me on here is how Marvin Mims has been utilized inside of the Broncos offense with Sean Payton. And look, I understand the challenge. Look, you have guys like Cortland Sutton. You have Jerry Judy. Brandon Johnson was getting a little bit more run early on in the season than Marvin Mims. But Marvin has something that all these guys don't simply possess, and that is the real legitimate threat of deep speed, a guy who can get behind safeties on the defense. And, you know, it ties in with what Russell Wilson does really well. It's that moon ball. It's that deep ball shot. And to me, honest with you, I think the thing that frustrates me the most, being a former player, being a former coach, is you look at what Marvin did in week two, right? Let's go back first half against the Washington Commanders. Marvin Mims had two catches for a buck 13 against the Commanders. He didn't see a single target at all in the entire second half of that game. Denver goes on to lose that game. Obviously, uh, they had the Hail Mary that made it a little bit closer, but Sean Payton went away from some of the stuff that was working. I mean, Marvin got uh, down the left sideline for a 53-yard gain. He got the 61-yard uh, touchdown catch down the right sideline early on in that game, and they're not finding ways to just get him the ball. And I, I would say maybe I'd be a little bit less frustrated if he was actually seeing targets but he's not seeing targets and I think that's the big issue here for this Broncos offense because you look at where he's at and how often he's on the field look he's a big prominent part in the return game we'll get to that here in a minute but get this Marvin Mims he's seen around 15 to 17 total offensive snaps per game hardly any targets in the passing game Maybe on average, he sees one target, which is usually a screen out of the slot, which doesn't work. They got to throw that out of the playbook. It has not worked for them. I don't think it's going to work. Teams know what it looks like. And they've also used him on end-around rush plays. But those plays don't work in today's NFL when you have such a small volume of reps for him. When, when For example, as a former defense coordinator, if I see Marvin Mims lined up in the slot, kind of off-ball a little bit, and I know that he can be used as a motion, anytime he goes in motion, I already automatically know as a defense, hey, if he motions to you, you got to watch for the end around. You got to stay home. Like that, that's what I'm communicating as a defensive guy. So there's it, there's no disguise. Like it's easy to see what can happen here. And it just hasn't worked. And that's not Marvin's fault. Like that's that's on the coaching staff. That's on Sean Payton. You you drafted him in the end of round two as as prop your top premier capital because you didn't have first round pick. And you know what type of dynamic he possesses, but yet you can't find ways to incorporate him. To me, I think that's blasphemous. And that's misutilization. That's mismanagement. Why draft him if you're not even going to utilize him? That's where my frustration is here. Now, get this. This also is another infuriating statistic. Marvin Mims has played only 30% of the team's total offensive snaps this season. And in those looks and opportunities, he's not even being looked at. He's not even being thrown to. And you look at his production just in that Washington game alone. I mean, his average yards per catch is incredible. But on top of that, Marvin has been a real game changer here for Denver in kick return and punt return. Now, obviously, he has a kick return touchdown this year. He's leading the NFL in kick return yards. He's leading the NFL in average punt return yards right now. That is a good dynamic there. But it's it's like, what do you have to do to get him the ball more? Why is it so difficult? And I, I know that we I just brought it up about Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. In my opinion, if you want to have balance on the offensive side of the ball, here's what you can do with a guy like Marvin Mims. You can have him, Jerry, Cortland, whoever on the field at the same exact time, and you're going to force the defense to pick and choose who they want to cover, right? So, for example, if I'm a defensive coordinator, my top priority right now, I would make sure that I'm bracketing Cortland Sutton, who's obviously been on a little bit of a tear in the last couple of games, big body, 50-50, jump contested balls. He's winning those situations, but 
if I'm focused on Cortland Sutton, then it's like, all right, hey, well, you know, you're going to have to account for Jerry Judy. And if you try to allocate resources to take away Jerry, you have a guy who can win one-on-ones with his speed alone in Marvin. And that right there gives you an advantage that not many other teams have. Like you look at Tyreek Hill in Miami, and I'm not trying to compare Marvin to Tyreek Hill. What I'm trying to say is anytime you see number 10 in motion, you see number 10 lined up anywhere, you know he's the fastest guy in the field. And you know that, hey, if we don't account for him, he's going to burn us. Even if we focus on covering Jalen Waddle, we focus on covering some of the other wide receiving targets that they have. They have guys that can hurt you. We all know Cortland can hurt defenses. Jerry Judy can hurt defenses if utilized properly. Marvin Mims can do the same exact thing, but yet he might be the NFL's best kept secret. And that's not by choice. That's by design there by Sean Payton. And to be it's frustrating for me as a football guy. And I can't even imagine where Marvin's mindset is. Obviously, as a rookie, he makes some plays. He's doing everything that the team is asking him to do, but yet he's not seeing the ball. And that has got to be frustrating for him. I know it's frustrating for all of us. So We'll see how things go. If the Broncos want to turn things around here in the second half part of the schedule, they're going to have to find a way to give Marvin Mims the football even more. Now, at, during the bye week, they shared a tweet on social media about uh, every touchdown they scored this season or every big play. And you see Marvin Mims catching that touchdown against Washington. It's like, all right, we want to see a little bit more of that because that right there, the Broncos don't have that. And right now with them getting the emphasis on the run game going, They've averaged over 140 yards in the last couple of games in totality. They're trending in the right direction with their running back by committee approach led by Javante Williams and undrafted rookie free agent Jalil McLaughlin, who he himself doesn't have a lot of snaps and opportunities, but in the, the plays where he's getting the ball, great things are happening. Marvin Mims can be the same exact thing here for the Broncos offense. So as the run game gets going, as that emphasis starts to build for them, defenses are going to prepare to try to stop the run, which allows you, I think, to open up the play-action passing game. And if Denver can find a way to do that and give Russell Wilson time to throw and dial it up, Denver can get downfield and make these big plays, score more points, and take a little bit of the pressure off the defense who is now in a position where they themselves are playing better. So for me, that's my rant session here today on this morning's installment of Good Morning Broncos. We appreciate you so much for rocking with us. Do you agree with me on Marvin Mims, his utilization? What do you feel like the Broncos should do a little bit more of with him? What about Mike McGlinchey, the Broncos defense? We want to get your thoughts, so make sure you leave it in the YouTube comments down below. And if you loved what we talked about here today and you're a Colorado sports fan, do us a favor. If you have not done so already, hit that subscribe button here on YouTube. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all of the social media platforms. And we're also on the web every single day, milehighsports.com. But with that said, I'm Cody Work, Broncos reporter here with MHS. It's going to be a little bit of an interesting week. No practice for Denver on Wednesday because they play on Monday night. They'll practice Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We'll have you covered with all the buildup leading up to kickoff on Monday night football against the Buffalo Bills. We'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode of GMB.